leadership right here from some of our young adults. Thank you guys, really, Osvaldo J. Well, I apologize that young people like to eat way late. This is, for many of us, this is like super late, uh, but for our young people, this is super early. So we had to pick the medium time here. But uh, we have servers in the back, and they're going to come uh, in just a second, and they're going to start passing out salad on everybody's plates. But as they get prepared, uh, I've invited the curls to come up, uh, uh, Bill and Lucy Pat uh, and Phil and Miriam. Uh, if you've never been to the curls' house, they have a tradition where they sing uh, a blessing over the meal. And so um, in true, we, we really want to make it feel like one giant living room in here or one giant uh, dining room. And so uh, we're, I'm going to ask them to come and sing uh, a blessing over our meal again. So here you go. I'm gonna give you, you can sing with us. <laughs> oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Adore him, Christ the Lord, for he alone is worthy, for he alone is worthy, for he alone is worthy, Christ the Lord. All right, servers, thank you. Thank you, girls. Servers, you can go ahead and start serving salad. And um, in about, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes or so, we'll come up and start the panel. There should be discussion questions at your table. Feel free to get everybody's names at your table. If you're sitting outside, go ahead and come in. There's some seats right here. In about 10, 15 minutes, I'll come back up. Okay. Well, so um, why don't we sit down... Uh, I'll sit down on the couch now, and um, we will we'll get going introducing everybody on the panel. And we'll try to make sure everybody can see us. You guys in the back, just kind of squint a little bit. Um, let me mention this. If at any point you guys have a question, especially young adults, if you have a question that you want our panel to talk about, uh, the number on the screen is up here. Text your questions to 407-995-6118. And if it's a good question, we'll try to ask the panel and get some um, get some observations on that. Last little bit of pizza's coming around right now, and so I'm going to go ahead and start introducing our panel. I'll go first. Um, if I haven't met, again, my name is Doug Hankins. I'm the young adult pastor uh, at First Orlando. Um, and I'll mention this, my wife and I are celebrating 14 years of marriage this year. Uh, yep. So it was great. It's great. We have two kids, uh, five and two, and um, uh, we're in the throes of becoming... Um, mature parents, I guess. We're just entering that. We have the first kid who started school, so now we've become a taxi service for her, and um, it's, it's a lot of fun. But I'll go ahead and let uh, the rest of our panel begin to introduce himself. We'll start with you, Isaac, and go that way. Yeah. Hey, guys. My name is uh, Isaac Trevino, and I just joined on staff here at First Orlando as the young adult associate. So I have the pl I have the yeah, thanks, guys. I have the pleasure of calling uh, Doug over here boss, which has been awesome because Doug and I, we've been friends for a while now. And very specifically, uh, working with our young professionals, those that are kind of in the working world and out of college. Uh, and I just moved from Texas. So if we have any uh, fellow Texans in the room, I'm right here with you. Okay. Hold on. I'm curious. If you're, if you're from Texas or you lived in Texas at any point, raise your hand. 
Yeah. Okay, that's state pride. Yeah. How many uh, Baylor graduates? Are there any Baylor graduates in the room? Woo. Oh, right here. Oh. Okay, Sikkim Bears. Yeah. Okay. Sikkim Bears. Good job. Okay, just curious. Isaac and I both went to Baylor. So, okay, let's pass the microphone this way and kind of introduce yourselves. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Brianna Fields. Um, I represent the Young Professionals. I am a true Floridian from here. So go Floridians. Yeah. Any Floridians in the room? Show of hands. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I'm representing the Floridians, um, Young Professionals. I've been here for about three and a half years off and on. So, and a single, representing the single people here. Well, my only claim to fame is I'm Bill Curl's wife, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, Bill and I came here uh, in 1972 on the staff, and then we left in 1990 and went overseas for 18 years. Uh, we were there as missionaries, and then we came back and been back home about 10 years. And uh, so we have an 18-year hole in there where if we don't recognize somebody we're supposed to from those years, well, that's why. Um, we have four children, all of them married, um, and I was figuring up today, one of our daughters has been married 35 years, our other daughter's been married 25 years, our son is here, has been married 27 years, and our other son's been married 17, and so between the five couples, our four children and us, we have 161 years of marriage. Wow. That's solid. Pastor Bill, you want to say anything? I didn't hear you. Okay. Do you need any introduction? Do I need an introduction? Yes. I'm, I'm Mr. Lucy Pat Curl. I'm Philip's father. Those are my claims to fame. Uh, she said about everything else except fact that uh, I did come on staff here as associate pastor in 1972. Uh, we uh, are Kentuckians. We grew up in Kentucky and then got transplanted down here in 72 after uh, 14 years of pastoring uh, in the state of Kentucky. Uh, I don't think she said we have 12 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. I'm the antique on staff. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's go over here and introduce this couch. Hi, everyone. Oh. Hey, um, I'm Isadora. I'm one of the interns here at College Ministry, and I just work with college specifically, but young adult in general. And, and Isadora is born in Indiana, but is Brazilian by uh, heritage, so. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm Verna Whaley. Uh, I'm married to Chris, the, uh, the mass saint and your legacy pastor. Um, we've been married for 42 years. Uh, we have two daughters, and uh, Allison is married to Rob. They have four of our precious grandchildren. They live in Melbourne. Uh, they've been married 15 years. And uh, our youngest daughter, Casey Melvin, uh, serves part-time staff here. Uh, she sang Sunday at 8.30. You may have heard her sing. And um, she's married to Brett. And they have uh, two of our precious grandchildren, so we're we're just uh, we're just happy to be here. And I'm Chris Whaley, and I'm the Legacy Adult Pastor. And I came here in uh, June of 2014. Matter of fact, uh, Bill Curl is the one that hired me as a, a part-time 
uh, minister on call. And then in March of 2016, I became the legacy adult pastor, and they haven't fired me yet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> and um, I, I pastored three other churches. The last one was First Baptist Longwood, and I was there almost 14 years before coming here. Awesome. And there's some other stories I'm going to want you to tell a little bit later, so just be prepared. Hey, I forgot to do this, and I want to make sure I just give some opportunity to do this. So, it, do you know what, what, what year this building was built? Okay. So, I'm just curious. So, one of the things we appreciate, and we mention it every Tuesday when we gather, is how lucky we are as young adults to meet in a student center that's air-conditioned, and it has a stage and an audio uh, system, has bathrooms, it has a lobby, uh, it has chairs, it has TVs. Um, we just feel lucky, but, uh, but I I'm, I'm just maybe feel like we should mention this. Was there anybody who was here who participated in the campaign to build uh, this structure in the 19, late 80s, early 90s? Anybody here? Okay. So we've got some people who are here. Hey, can we just thank our friends? who helped participate in that. Let me, let me just mention and say this. Th thank you guys, if y'all were here and you gave to that, uh, because you restricted your lifestyle and gave to fund something, and we are still benefit, benefiting from your uh, sacrifice and your giving as a worship to the Lord. So I just want to say thank you to all of y'all again, just from our deepest hearts as young adults. We are so blessed to be able to meet in here, uh, and, and um, we, we can't say enough about that. So just... Thank you. Again, thank you so much. You have no idea how much you guys have blessed us. That gift in the 1980s or 1990s that, that benefits us today. Okay, so that's over. Um, uh, okay, so I, I, wanna, I just want to start off here. I, I feel like our young adults need to hear this. Um, so Pastor Chris, um, here's what we're going to start off with. There's a rumor going around. Um, that you once wrestled the undertaker. And so I feel like we need to know the backstory. Like, why are you in a wrestling ring with the undertaker? Who, how tall is he? What was the last, how tall is he? Six foot eight. Okay, so how are you in a ring with a six foot eight gentleman wrestling? So just tell us the backstory on that. Well, I was... I was a professional wrestler from 1978 to 1988. My last three years, I wrestled uh, while I was uh, in seminary at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And so I was wrestling uh, in Dallas, Texas, and I had already wrestled my match, and I was taking my boots off, and the promoter came in and said, that the guy who was going to work against uh, Mark Calloway, who is the undertaker, uh, was in traffic and he wasn't going to be able to make it and he needed someone to wrestle again. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, I'll do it. And uh, because I knew that Mark was gonna be a big star one day and he is, he, he's wrestled, I don't know how many WrestleManias. And so I, I, I had to make sure, now if I wrestled on Friday night, then my wife and my two little girls could go with us. And after I wrestled, we would meet at the car and we would go do family fun night. But This is I, just a standard, standard pastoral Friday night. I just want yeah, you guys okay. to know that. So I, had to, I sent the referee out 
to find my wife and my girls to tell them not to, to leave that I was going to wrestle again. So I wrestled. Uh, I went out to the, uh, to the ring because he was the star, and the star always comes in last. So when I got in the ring, I had to find my wife and my girls. I found them because they didn't know who I was working against. I said, this is going to be good. <laughs> so I'm standing here, and I found my wife and my little girls, and then the lights came down and that hideous music that he would come into the ring. And, and when he walked through the door, I looked and both my little girls were crying when they saw him. <laughs> and I looked at my wife and her eyes got really big. And then real quickly, she reached down and grabbed her purse and started going through her purse. Well, the match started and I obviously survived because I'm here. But we, we wrestled for 20 minutes. It was a great match, and it was over. And we were in the car driving back to Fort Worth, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and both my little girls were asleep. And I looked over at my wife, and I said, Hey, Vern, right before the match started, you reached down and grabbed your purse. I said, What was that about? What were you doing? And she sat for a moment, and she said, Oh, I was looking for the checkbook to make sure you'd paid the insurance. Okay. Hey, young adults, how many of you guys remember or know who The Undertaker was? Show of hands. Okay. Well, uh, some of you may not know who that is. He's a professional wrestler, pretty big deal. Um, you, may, you may not have ever heard of him before, but uh, Pastor Chris, you and I were talking earlier about another famous professional wrestler and a conversation you had with him about his future. Could you just kind of review our conversation we had earlier today? Yep. Uh, the last time that I wrestled was 1993, and it was a benefit. I was the pastor of First Baptist of, of Beverly Hills, and I was going to do a benefit for a lady in my church who had cancer. And so I, the guy that I was going to wrestle against uh, called me up and he said, how long has it been since you've been in the ring? And I said, it's been about uh, five or six years. And he said, well, I'm not working against you unless I know what you're like. He said, there's an independent show in Tampa. Uh, you meet me there, we'll work a match and I'll see what you're like. And I said, okay. So I went over and we're in the dressing room and in walked uh, Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson is the father of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. And Dwayne was with him. He had just graduated from the University of Miami. He played linebacker. And so I, I worked against his dad, so I, I was glad to see Dwayne. And, and I was talking to him, and I said, are you going to play football? And he said, no, I'm going to wrestle like my dad. And I said, man, you don't want to do that. Because... I, I never made big, big money like they do today. And I said, you need to play football. He says, no, I'm going to wrestle like my dad. And I said, you're stupid. <laughs> I said, so the next year he went to the WWE and he made $6 million. So it's a great thing that he didn't listen to me. So um, another thing you guys should know about Pastor Chris is at some point, someone wrote the story, or wrote his story, and it, it became a book called The Masked Saint. Uh, and it's just the story of him being a pastor and a wrestler and a husband and all these things. And the book did well enough that they turned it into a movie. Uh, so 
This is our legacy adult pastor. I just want to say this. He wrestled The Undertaker and The Rock, right? So young adults, if you need someone to talk to about life, this is the person right here, Pastor Chris and Verna. Just come hang out with them. Get their number afterwards. It'd be good. He has an Apple Watch, so he's super hip. Uh, he can meet you for coffee, and you can, he can tell you stories and also talk about Jesus. Um, over here with the curls, I, I feel like I, I should do a little bit more uh, setup for our young adults. Um, you guys lived in Wales for a period of time, better than a decade, and that's a country next to, to England, right? Right, yeah, it's a little country that hangs on to the edge of England, except really England hands on to the edge of it. Okay, but topographically. Fif Fifteen okay. years. Okay, got it. Um, and so I just got to know, what's the tea situation in your house? Do we have any tea drinkers? Hot tea, I'm not talking about cold sweet tea. Hot oh, yeah. tea drinkers, Christians are here, okay, good. Come on over um, to our house, I've got so, the tea queen right here. Okay, we got to know, how, how do you drink tea? What do you recommend? What's, how, talk us through it. Well, first of all, it needs to be just British black tea. All this green stuff and chamomile and all this other stuff. Green tea. Uh, I mean, green tea is out, black tea. Okay. So mm -hmm. English black tea, is it Earl right. Grey or like in breakfast tea? Well, preferably English breakfast tea. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, that was the right and answer. you put so. a little milk in first. Okay. A little milk goes first. Not cream, not half and half, little milk with your black tea. Okay. Because the black tea brings out the flavor of the scones and the cookies and anything else you're eating. Solid. It's very simple, but uh, it's wonderful. Okay, so tea drinkers. This is your couple right here, okay? Let's come hang out with them. I've had tea with them on occasion. It was spectacular. I highly recommend it to you guys, so awesome. Um, well, let's jump in. Uh, maybe just say this. In fact, we got this question. And so I want you, I'll let the pastors answer this first, and then maybe I'll answer it next. Um, oh, man. Okay, we already have 10 text messages. Perfect. Okay. So um, the first question is, how did you guys meet, uh, and how did, you, how did you kind of fall in love? How did you know that they were the one, or how did you know it was time to get married? So you guys can answer in turn. Wow. Well, uh, actually, we met prenatally. <laughs> My mother gave birth to me in Kentucky, and a few months later, uh, my dad was a pastor and her dad was a pastor, her mother and dad came over to bring me a baby gift, and she was pregnant with Lucy Pat. I'd like to say the baby jumped in the womb, but I don't know that that's true. <laughs> Solid. Uh, we met again uh, very briefly when I was 13. I was in an RA camp, Royal Ambassador Camp in Kentucky, and, uh, and there were 350 boys and two girls. One girl was a lifeguard and the other was a pianist. And she was actually playing the piano when I walked forward to give my life for full-time Christian service. We really met though in, in college and uh, went to Georgetown College uh, in Kentucky. Uh, we ran for the office of treasurer for the freshman class. I beat her. <laughs> we ran for, ran for treasurer in the sophomore class. I beat him, I beat him. Oh, well. So when they got to know us. Yeah, they did better. Actually, when we went on a, a youth mission team uh, for revival in Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas, and uh, I led the music. She was playing the piano. She was going steady with another guy at the time, but on Friday of that week, after we'd rehearsed a while, I looked at her and said, I'm going to marry you in 1960. In November 19th, 1960, guess what happened? Yes. So... 
So this is a, like a Babe Ruth moment. You called your shot, right? I called the shot. Okay. So, uh, gentlemen, if you'd like to know, ladies, even if you'd like to know how to do this, just the prophetic power of prayer and dating, this is your couple to talk to right there. Any, any follow-up, Lucy? Well, Pat? talk to him, because it took me a little longer, several years to figure that out. Okay. Okay. The rejoinder right there. Okay. Um, how about you guys, Pastor Chris, Verna? We met when we were 16 years old, and she... Uh, came to hear her sister sing in a group, and that group was singing in uh, my parents' church, and she thought because she met me in church that I was a Christian, but I was not, and we got married uh, when we were 20 years old. We were just about to start our senior year at Palm Beach Atlantic, and Verna when I asked her to marry me, she turned me down because she said, I, I only know you on the weekends. I don't know what you're like every day of the week. And she said, when we go to college and I'm around you every day of the week, I'll give you an answer. So I wore her out. I mean, I was like a puppy dog at her feet. So anyway, she finally said yes, and we got married. And we were 70s children. I mean, I had hair. <laughs> I'm jealous of his hair. <laughs> I had hair. She had hair down to there. I, I memorized George Carlin's hair poem. Uh, I'm aware some stare at my hair. In fact, to be fair, some really just stare at my hair. But they're not aware, nor are they debonair. In fact, they're just square. Some see hair down to there, say beware, and run off in a tear. But I say no fair. Be fair with your hair. Show what you care. Wear it to there, to there, to there, if you dare. Hair can be rare. Fred Astaire got no hair, nor does a chocolate eclair. And where is the hair on a pair? Nowhere, mon frere. My wife bought some hair at a fair to use as a spare. Did I care? Au contraire. <laughs> now that I've shared as a fair of the hair, I think I'll return to my lair and use nair. Do you care? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, couple of, man, so many principles that I think our young adults need to apply. Number one, you can rebound from asking a girl out and her telling, her no, telling you no. You can rebound from proposing to a girl and her telling you no. And ladies, it's okay to be firm in your convictions. If he's not ready, don't move forward, right? That, that work? Verna, you, you yes. sign off on all that? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, hey, I, let's... Let's get into some, we've, we've learned about how you guys got together. Um, let's talk about what it's been like being married. Um, there's a bunch of questions that are related to that. Um, and Bree and Isaac and Isadora, I want you guys to think about some follow-up questions as they start to talk. And maybe if you have some questions that pop up, probably you're thinking what a lot of our people are thinking here. And so um, here's maybe the, the first question that comes up. Um, what's the worst argument confrontation you had and how did you get through it? And maybe you don't want to answer the worst one. So pick like the 12th worst one. Just how did you guys handle conflict and how did you manage that? How did you get through these things? Wow. Well, we've had lots of conflict, but we've never had an argument. Oh, so do you want to talk about the distinction there? Because <laughs> I think maybe for some of our young adults, uh, they don't know how to distinguish between that. Well, you have to decide what's principle and what's preference. 
to start with. You got to decide if you'd rather be happy or right, uh, just to, as, a, as a possibility to go on. Uh, yes. You got to learn to know when silence is golden, and yet avoid the silent treatment at the same time. It's not easy. You have to understand that that the scripture has lots of communication principles that have us going. One of them from Proverbs 16, I think it says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. And so you have to decide, do you want to, you want to get it right or do you want to get mad? Uh, the husband, by the way, as head of the house, has the responsibility of de-escalating the, atmosphere, uh, the, the heat. If things start heating up, you get hotter and hotter and hotter. The husband, as head of the house, has the thermostat. He's got to turn it down first and back off and say, wait a minute, there's nothing godly left in this. Let's back up and do this right. So it's been a lot of fun. We, uh, if two of you agree on everything, one of you is probably not necessary. Yeah. Truth. Okay. Pastor Chris, follow up. How about you guys? Or Verna? Well, I, what he said, that was really, really good. I, I think um, the thing that I've learned over 42 years, and it hasn't all been biscuits and gravy, you know, um, is that you just got to be honest with each other and lay all your cards out on the table, we call it, you know, and communicate. You know, when you don't communicate, like he talked about the silent treatment, is you have to communicate. You have to speak up. I was the one that wouldn't speak up because in his younger days, he had quite a temper. And, uh, but God's worked on him, so he's a lot better now. Uh, I was scared of him sometimes. And, uh, but I learned that I need, I need just to stand up, speak up. And, uh, and be honest. And so that's the main thing is communication. I do want to tell you that we, I don't think we ever had any real knockdown track out. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what our first argument was about. Um, we first got married. <laughs> He's just praying. <laughs> well, I, I just didn't understand guys, you know, <laughs> we're so different. But, you know, I couldn't understand why when he would get out of the shower, he would throw his under, underwear right beside the clothes basket and not in the dirty clothes basket. <laughs> so I finally, I said, what, what, what's up with this? He's like, what? I said, your underwear is right there. Yeah. I said, well, the basket's right there. <laughs> and so, uh, but he finally, we finally got through all that. So uh, you know, <laughs> it's our first in, in Chris's defense, let me just, let me, let me talk about Pastor Chris. Um, you know, some of us were point guards uh, on the basketball court. We're used to throwing up lobs, and we have the posts who clean up our rebounds. I mean, I think that's probably what was going on, right? So, sorry, it's just lack of reps in that situation. Okay. Um, Isaac, Bree, Isidore, any things you guys thought about as follow-up questions for that? Anything worth asking? So um, I guess for the women, really, so how do you know when to kind of let it go and when to speak up and say something? Like, what was your it moment that you had to say something? Well, I'm the talker in this family, obviously. I mean, the, <clears throat> he's the quiet one. You know, he can say more in five words than I can in five paragraphs. So, <laughs> you know, so... Um, uh, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm not sure this answers your question, but one thing um, that we've practiced a long time, and that is, there's a scripture that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
Well, to us, that means don't go to bed mad at each other or upset with each other. So that's one thing we've always done. You know, there's that crawling into bed. And incidentally, we always have gone to bed at the same time. You know, I get a little confused about these people that never end up in the bed at the same time. And I mean, anyway, there's something about um, before we, you know, snuggle up and have a prayer together and whatever, um, then we ask forgiveness for, to, to the other person. Or we say, okay, you know, this is not going to come between us anymore, whatever. But I think that is important <clears throat> to end the day that way. I'm sorry, but I just got a little serious there, didn't I? No, that was good. That was solid. We like the serious answers. <laughs> so, Verna, any wisdom? How do you know when? Let me rephrase it. How do you know, like, when to, like, kind of keep going with the argument or disagreement, or you're just like, no, I'm over it, like, I'm not going to worry about it? Well, when you're married, you have to let a lot of little things go by. <laughs> just little things that, you know, it, it's like, um, do you know which uh, hill you want to die on? You know, if, if, it's, if it's real important to you, you know, you need to speak up. If, if, you, if you think what's going on is, is wrong, you need to speak up. And, um, but some of those little things, you just probably need to let it go by. And, uh, yeah, you choose your battles. You, you, you choose, go ahead. You, you choose what, what you're going to die on, what hill you're going to die on. And uh, you need to understand that for Christians, I'll preach here for a second, for Christians, uh, our commitment is to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And the moment, Brienne, you realize that you're violating that principle, that Jesus is not in control because you're losing control, you, you vote. You decide, am I going to do this my way or am I going to do it Jesus' way? And if Jesus really is the Lord over every area, we have to stop and relax and let Jesus take control again. And one of my favorite sayings is, Jesus in me never gets uptight. So if I start getting uptight and tense, it's no time to settle an argument. It's time for me to let Jesus be Lord again and get control. And then we can discuss things more rationally. I, I always ask young couples that I'm going to marry, I, I always ask them, what is your definition of love? And nine out of ten times, they will describe an emotion. Oh, he makes me feel so good. Or, you know, she, she's just, she just makes my heart melt or what, you know, all of that. But love is not an emotion. Love is one word. It is commitment. I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. And regardless of the problems that you have, the number one problem in all marriages, the number one problem is communication or not communicating. I also ask young couples, uh, how do you settle your disagreements? You have to have a plan going into marriage how you're going to settle your disagreements. And so many young couples that don't go through premarital counseling, they just get married, and then when they have these problems, they don't know how to deal with them, but you have to have a plan going in. Uh, when we get perturbed with one another, I get very quiet, believe that or not. And, and she also gets very quiet. So we have our quiet time, <laughs> and then we come together. And, and then I say, when you said this, this is how I took it. And she'd say, oh, that's not how I meant it. Oh, well, that's how I took it. 
And, and she'll say, well, when you said this, and I, that's not how I said it. So it's a communication problem and having a plan to, to settle your disagreements. It's amazing when you have a plan, how it comes together. Any follow-up, Isaac or Isidore? Um, whenever you guys see that an argument or like a discussion or something is not worth uh, to keep going, how do you control yourself to stop and to not let it you know, get bigger if it doesn't have to? We just we don't just let we don't let it get that far. Um, we just don't. I, I feel like that, you know. If and Chris has said it many times in counseling is that, you know, when people build a house, like when the builders go out and build a house, they have this thing called a blueprint, and everybody looks at that blueprint. You know, the plumbers look at it, the the people pouring the concrete, you know, the people putting in stuff. Everybody looks at that blueprint. And lots of times in relationships, people are on different blueprints. You know, they, they're selfish in this way, and this one's selfish in that way, and they're really not on the same blueprint. And if you want to build a home, you have to be on the same blueprint, and, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the, and, and the Bible, that, that is our blueprint, and you always have to remember that first, that you know, if, if you're both committed to Christ, you'll be committed to each other. And I always tell, I taught high school for 36 years, and I always told my, the girls that would come hang out after, I say, listen, and I, I probably could have been fired, but I said, if, if you find a man that loves Jesus, you'll find a man that loves you, and, and that'll love you forever. And so that's, that's sort of, we try not to let things get escalated. We're, we're too old for that. Can I, can I amen that and say, when people say, what's the key to your marriage being uh, long and happy? And we've had a lot of fun. We, we loved our journey. It's been great all 57 years. And uh, when people ask, well, what's the, what's the secret? It's one word, Jesus. Everything else has to revolve around that. So I'm just reinforcing what she said. Lucy Pat is a very mature person. I married a mature person. When, she, when we were married 57 years ago. And a mature person is one who can tell when they're acting immaturely and is both willing and able to do something about it. And that's, uh, arguments come from immaturity a lot of times, disagreements and things, selfishness, and uh, just acting like kids. But the person you marry, you expect to be mature. You, you really do. You think that little boy's gonna be a grown-up man all of a sudden when he puts the ring on. That little girl is going to be a grown-up girl. And so to be able to, to recognize when we're acting immaturely and then be willing and able. Some people don't recognize it. They're a bull elephant in a china shop, you know. Some people are not willing. I, that's just me. You've got to put up with me. I'm not going to change. But if you are recognize it and are willing, then you get it done. You're able because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Awesome. Isaac, can you follow up questions? Yeah. So, uh, what are some fun dates that you went on, either while dating or even in, even in marriage? Some what? Some fun dates or out outings that you guys ha had together, like fun things you did together. Is dating part of your life? I mean, talk about that. Is, is that a, uh, a oh, generational we, a good question? One. Okay. We still have a date night every week. What, what night of the week? Yeah. So, 
I, with the, with, uh, I always tell young couples this too. Uh, you know, you're dating up until you get married, and then when you get married, they just stop dating. We, we never stop dating. And we loved, uh, we used to love to go to movies when they make a good one. We, we, uh, there, there's one called The Masked Saint. Yeah, uh, great movie. I don't know great if you've movie. Seen yeah. it on DVD. It's on Netflix, too. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It. Yeah. He watches Millennials, it every week. it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. You need to binge the, watch that tonight, I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah, it's Netflix, yeah. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> date nights. What's a good day night? We, anything we do, we, we, just, we just love doing it together, whatever. Yeah. We, uh, we go to movies. We, if it's just going to the mall and walking around or walking around the neighborhood or, or whatever, it's, it's fun for us, yeah. Hey, we have a date night every night. <laughs> hey, so we just Woo. up the ante, like, once a week. No, every night. Every that's night. how it is. So no, what's date night? It's just fun to be dating. And some of you know uh, we ride a tandem bicycle, and uh, we ride about uh, all three, four, five miles a day still. Had a tandem since 1968. So we have a lot of fun. Uh, can, can we get some, hey, can we get some maybe the tall guys or somebody to come pull the, we have the tandem bike so, right over here, right? Yes, we do. In just a little bit, I'm going to want you to tell us the whole story on the tandem bike, but I want us to see this right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you wait, can, you, you can. still ride this bicycle right here? Yes. Actually, we would have ridden that over here tonight, but I just didn't think my hair could handle the damp weather. <laughs> yes. Fair point. Fair point. Okay, so everybody can see the tandem bike. This is the key to marriage right here, tandem bike. So just wedding band, tandem bike. And you're, you're good to go. <laughs> well, hey. there, there is a lot to be said for if you can ride a bike together like that, then it does say something about how you can get along with each other. It really does. Uh, the person in the second seat, which is me all the time, the, it's called the stoker on a tandem bike. Uh, there's a, one word that's very important in marriage, and that is the word trust. You know, I've heard Brother Jim Henry say a lot of times you fall in love, but you grow in trust. Well, when you're on the back of a tandem bicycle, you have no control over the brakes. You're on a little lane in the middle of Wales going downhill in the middle of traffic. You have to trust the fellow on the front. So we've learned about trust on that. And he has to trust me that I'm going to pedal, right? Because he can't see me, you know, so... But there's a trust factor, there's a balance factor, and that's important in marriage too, in terms of balance of your temperaments, of your talents, of your desires, of your goals and all, there's, there's that balance. Um, there's communication, because you know when you're on two single bikes, it's hard sometimes to stay exactly side by side and talk to each other, though you can some, but on a tandem, it's quite easy. And then, you know, real often he sticks his hand on the back handlebar, and we can hold hands together, too, while we're going. So we've had a lot of fun. Veteran move, fellas. <laughs> Veteran move, okay? Yeah, and it's, it's hard. If one of you is putting the brake on while the other is trying to pedal, it gets kind of bad, too. And you make decisions together, and then uh, I take that decision and implement it because I make the turns and uh, keep going. I, I have to keep my eye on the road. She can just look around and do everything. Awesome. Hey, tandem bike, great metaphor for relationships, great metaphor for marriage. Uh, 
That was really good. We should hire y'all on staff as like a pastor, okay? I've been thinking you guys about as well. It. Y'all, you're not doing anything? You want to get hired as pastor on our staff? Y'all are bringing a lot to the table. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I'm joking. Um, no, we really should hire you, but you're already on staff, so I thought that was implied. Okay, I'm moving along. Hey, here's the last question. I, I think, you know, we've been here a long time. Dessert's been out. Has everybody eaten dessert? Have we gone by? Hey, uh, so this is the last question, and then I want you to bring dessert out, okay? So you can just start the cart ready, Okay. Everyone, y'all let me know. I said, hey, dessert's out, right? Y'all were like, no. <laughs> Hurry this along, Pastor Doug. Let's eat dessert. Um, hey, here's been what I've observed to be the biggest disconnect generationally between maybe folks of y'all's generation and folks of our generation, what would be millennials, those born after 1980. Um, and that is this. I think your generation said, we're going to get married and then we're going to figure out life together. I think our generation says, let's figure out life, and then once I figured it out, we'll get married. So could you talk to us about what it's been like in your experience to figure out life together um, as a married couple? I mean, just think about many of us who don't get married till we're in our 30s, and we're like, ah, we're, we figured out life, and then we'll get married later. What's been maybe an advantage, do you think, about being together as you figured out life? Well, it's been fun growing up together. Really, uh, we didn't know a whole lot about a whole lot of things when we got married, but uh, piece by piece, bit by bit, uh, as we learned, you know, once you come together, uh, if it doesn't matter sometimes where the Lord leads you, it's just as so long as you stay together, and you can make all kinds of turns if you do it together. And uh, the thing that brought us together was uh, things that would, in our life that would unite us: ministry, uh, fun things. Uh, Views about family, views about life, worldview—you could go on and on. But the more things we agreed on, the closer we got together. The the danger is, uh, if you put things into your life that divide you, you soon find yourself way out here, and then often somebody else appears, and you're much closer to somebody else than you are to your wife or husband, and that's where divorce makes sense to these people. So it's been fun just growing up together. Yeah, we we figured out life. We haven't got it all figured out yet, but we we're, we're gonna keep working on it. <laughs> Uh, there's a saying that kicked around a lot the last few years, that teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. And uh, we really believe in this idea of teamwork. Uh, when we were first married, well, uh, we decided on our honeymoon how many children for sure we wanted to have, and we wanted to have uh, two girls and two boys. And so, and, you know, within six years, we had two girls and two boys. And... But that really was a team effort, I mean, to have that many children and to... uh, (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) There's another saying, happy wife, happy life. (laughs) That is true. Can can I go on just a little bit? Come on, come on, come on. You're good. This is good. I was going to say, okay, you have that category. Then you have teenagers. And you work through the teen. And at one point, we had four teenagers at the same time for a few months. And then they start getting married. And then when we uh, were working here um, before we went overseas, I worked with him in various things at church. In fact, he was a youth director when, I first, when we first married. And so I did a lot of things with him uh, in that respect. And then when we went overseas, it was totally different because we were together all the time. And after you know, working on the staff here in this church where he had three secretaries and all these different jobs, and I was teaching at Valencia College, and a lot of different things were going on, you know. It was wonderful, and, and 
we were together all the time. But then one of the most difficult things that happened to us was we were together all the time. <laughs> our office was in our home and so forth. But we worked through that and did a lot on the mission field and teamwork. And since we've been back now, grandparenting together and many other things. So it's always, I think the fact in our lives, particularly music was the thing. I was, am an accompanist and he's a director and singer. And so for all these years, that's been a real plus factor for us. Awesome. Pastor Chris, Verna. Uh, the original question was, what's it like to get married and then build a life together, figure it out together? Well, Verna said when she married me, she said, I married you because I knew there would never be a dull moment. <laughs> and I have tried to keep that. I told her I'd make her happy if it took every penny her folks had. And I'm, <laughs> I tried to do that. But we, we have... Grown, we have grown up together too. We, I mean, we were 20 years old when we got married. We've been married almost 43 years, so that's a lot longer than being single. And th there's a lot of things that we we are still figuring out. Hey, I, I took uh, we took financial peace when we were 56 years old. And young people, you ought to, you're going to take financial peace. It's one of the best things you can ever do. Because the number two killer in marriage is finances. So make sure you go through financial peace. If we had done that when we were your age, we would be multimillionaires. So make sure you do that because finances are a big part. And, and then when you have kids, man, raising kids, you got to be a united front or they'll, they'll get to you. They really will. That was supposed to be funny. But they didn't laugh. No, on it's that. fine. Yeah, okay, it's okay. okay. But, this is a dessert crowd. They're waiting for dessert at this point. Okay, okay. But the the uh, the children, that that's another 18 years of figuring it out, and it's it's a blast. It really is to to look back now and have your kids come to you and say, "I'm sorry," and you say, "For what?" Well. I'm a parent now, and I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, th I really think the, the main thing is to look to the Lord in everything. And we, we prayed a lot because uh, we, we needed a lot of prayer uh, back then. Um, when our oldest daughter got married, and um, she was like Chris, she didn't have much patience. And I thought, I prayed for her a lot, too, because I was wondering how she was going to, have all these kids, and uh, I never dreamed she'd have four kids. But I'll tell you, I, I, every time I go to her home, and she still has it, and it was started with the first one with Dax nine years ago. She started with these little post-its, and she would put uh, Bible verses on them, and she'd post them in the bathroom and, and then in her bedroom, and now they're in her kitchen. And it, it's the funniest thing because um, I'm so grateful that my girls love Jesus and so do my, 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 my son-in-laws. Um, we wanted four kids too, but we have four now. We have two boys and two girls. But um, she has Bible verses all over her house. And um, I'm so thankful that, that my kids also uh, look to the Lord. And that's how they're figuring it out. You know, I talk to my girls all the time and... Um, it is. You just you gotta you gotta pray a lot. You gotta look look to God to help you figure things out. And it's great. It's great when your kids they don't wind up on Jerry Springer. That's a great thing. <laughs> really. Always a plus. Yeah. 
So much can be said about that. Hey, here's, here's how I want to stand our time on the panel here. Uh, Bree, Isaac, uh, Isadora, um, why don't you guys just take a few seconds to think, what's the one big aha you heard today kind of discussed? Like, what do you think is something that just was a light bulb moment for you that you're going to maybe try to integrate into your life moving forward? Um, and I'll do the same thing just as a, a young married or I guess, you know, be- becoming middle-aged married person. So take, take a few seconds to think about it and then just kind of just share on behalf of all of our young adult friends here today, kind of what stood out to you guys. Um, I think what definitely stood out is communication. I know for me as someone who kind of, kind of, kind of slows down and observes a lot, uh, observes a lot that I tend to kind of wait to everything, everything is said from uh, the other person. So I think um, definitely being able to be confident to speak up when you know something isn't right um, and definitely having that trust because if you don't have the commitment and the trust, then it's no purpose of having the marriage or, or the relationship or anything like that. So I think those were the two big takeaways. Um, and just to kind of go to the Lord with everything, even in those seasons of singleness, like I am right now, to just continue to pray um, and, and just know that, you know, God has it. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, the, the thing that I've observed in, in both of these um, awesome uh, couples is just this, of all four of them, just giving the selflessness. And I don't know if you like heard of that throughout their answers. So that was really, really cool for me to hear. Um, and even even talked about that whenever there's a question about conflict, and it seemed to be the the answer was, you just let a lot of stuff go. It just doesn't matter, right? You just have to. I, th- I think uh, Pastor Bill said um, pr- something about preferences and um, principles. Yeah, principles and preferences. Yeah, those were really good. Solid. Isidore. Um, what stood out to me was that like how you guys talked about how you're still dating. Um, not just growing up, but, like, the examples that we see around us is usually, like, marriage is something that falls apart and, like, people grow distant even if they're together for, like, forever. So it's just really cool to see how you're still really close. Yeah. I would say for me the thing that stood out is um, just the longevity of how y'all have been doing things. I mean, we've got 67? No, 57. Sorry, I added a decade. I apologize. I apologize. You guys got married when y'all were four. That's what you said. Okay. Uh, so 57 years and then 43, and the fact that you guys both said we're still figuring things out. Um, I think a lot of us young people feel like, oh, man, we got to, fi- again, we got to figure it out. And then once we figure it out, we just kind of step on the, the escalator and we move into marriage. And one of the, the models we've, we've kind of talked about privately is that it seems that marriage, it's not getting on the escalator. You don't just take one step and it just automatically moves you up. It's taking the stairs, you got to take it one step at a time, and you've got to put in the work, and you've got to move up the stairs together. And it's just encouraging for me as someone who's been married 14 years to hear, y'all are still figuring things out. Um, that's really encouraging. Hey, here's what we want to do. I think everyone has had a chance, or maybe we're getting a chance to have dessert. Uh, we want to give you guys about another 10 minutes just to, maybe you guys uh, heard something on the panel, and you'd love to discuss it with some of your friends at your table. Maybe some of the legacy adults have questions for the young adults about how you guys are approaching life and just want to spend some more time. There's some discussion questions at each table. And as you guys eat dessert over the next 10 minutes or so, why don't y'all just have some conversations together. And then at 8.50, I'm going to come up and we're going to start passing out the communion elements. And then we're going to all take communion together and sing Amazing Grace. And that'll be how we conclude the night together. So take about 10 minutes at your table. Julia will throw some questions up on the screen. If you want those, there'll be questions at your table. And we'll get back together again. Can we give a round of applause to our panelists just who did such a great job? Pastor Chris and Verna, Pastor Bill, Ms. Pat, Bree, Isaac, Isadora. Awesome. See you guys at 8.50.